Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Tantra's Mantra where we go behind and beyond the tech news headlines. I'm your host Prakash Sangam, founder and principal at Tantra Analyst. Today we will discuss an important subject that doesn't get that much of attention it deserves actually. Although it is fundamental to technology development, it almost becomes an afterthought in a public discourse. Yes, we are talking about the test and measurement industry. Many might think you need testing and measuring and only after something is developed to make sure it works, right? However, uh, many innovators among us would know that even to develop basic concepts and to try them out to understand whether they work or not and so on, you need testing and you need test instruments. A lot of times, in fact, most of the times, if not all the times, before even technology is developed, it is first simulated and tested on test uh, instruments. Testing and measurement is an integral part of each and every step uh, of the technology development. It includes proof of concept, productization, compliance, commercialization, optimization, and even the maintenance you know, throughout the product life cycle. This year, uh, we are at some interesting uh, time. Uh, the initial deployment of 5G is almost over, at least in major uh, Western geographies there is a major slowdown coming in tech phone shipments are forecasted to decline decline actually started last year at the same time uh, new technologies like wi-fi 7 are uh, on the horizon and expected to see ramp up this year we don't know how the tm industry will fare during these testing times to discuss all these questions and more we have a special guest with us today and that is brad robbins a ceo of a leading test and measurement company called lightpoint Brad, welcome to the Thanks show. Thanks for having me on, Prakash. Very well. So let's get started with some uh, quick introductions. Um, could you please give us a quick overview of uh, your professional background and uh, uh, overview of Lightpoint? Well, let me start with Lightpoint. The, the company got started about 20 years ago. And mm-hmm. it really was when uh, Wi-Fi, the first wireless technology to make major inroads in the consumer market, uh, became popular. Um, and at that time, you know, testing, as you mentioned, is is critical and uh, and very critical on any new technology. And it took mm-hmm. a big rack of expensive, hard to set up, hard to maintain equipment to make any of the measurements that were required to assess the quality and to optimize the performance um, of, of the Wi-Fi technology. And mm-hmm. Lightpoint's innovation was really to simplify test. So we said that for a technology to become widely adopted in the consumer marketplace, it had to be high volume. And for mm-hmm. it to be high volume, you had to have a simple solution. You, you couldn't have a PhD follow every rack of test equipment around to make sure it was functioning. Mm-hmm. And so that's really been our focus for the last 20 years is how do we bring innovation to the intersection of wireless technology and high volume consumer products to enable people to get, you know, great products to market quickly uh, with great economics and know that they can sleep at night because their brand's protected because they've got good quality testing in place. Very well. So that that's kind of, you know, how we got started since those early days, we've expanded, you know, we're now working on all the hot technologies, Wi-Fi 7, Bluetooth 5, uh, 5G, FR1, millimeter wave, FR2, ultra wideband, Zigbee, you know, if you name a wireless technology, we have a, a production solution for it. Yeah, the whole shebang of things, huh? Yeah. 
my yeah. background, I, I in, in test, I really like the way you describe, you know, most people don't think about test. I've been in the test industry for over 40 years. And what, what's been interesting is good consumer product companies think of test as a strategic investment. You know, there's a strategy around what they do for test. And that doesn't mean one size fits all, right? It's not, you know, there's only one way to do it. But if you are working with a mature technology, you know what can go wrong, you test for that and you can be very optimized. But if you're bringing a new technology to market, you really don't know what will go wrong. And if you want to protect your brand and your brand name, you're going to put a test strategy in place that's more comprehensive. True. And then the last piece that's interesting about wireless is that you can usually optimize the performance of the product. So it's not shouting, it's not whispering, and it's listening well. During the manufacturing process, you can actually get a higher performing and more consistent product if you do wireless test. And you spent uh, a lot of time uh, with Lightpoint? Yeah. So I, um, you know, I got my start at uh, Teradyne in semiconductor testing uh -huh. and Teradyne acquired Lightpoint in 2011. And so I've been with the company uh, with Lightpoint now for 10 years. Yeah. A decade of uh, testing with Lightpoint. That's great. You know, when, when the talk of uh, test and measurement comes, as I said, it is embedded in the full life cycle. Could you give us uh, your view on various parts of this life cycle, how the testing is involved, so that listeners know the critical role it plays in each phase of the uh, life cycle? You had mentioned you know, earlier that, that the thinking about test actually starts when the product starts being designed. So in, in, at the very early stage, you know, for example, when Wi-Fi 7 was being developed, we were working with companies who were simulating their chips and asking, is this a good waveform? You know, will this chip produce a good waveform? Because the standards have become more and more complex over time. You know, it, it's unbelievable how much complexity is embedded in the 5G standard or in the Wi-Fi 7 standard. Uh -huh. and, and so it's not a simple question to answer, is this a good waveform? Right. And so you have to develop that, refine the standards, and, and uh, that'll ensure interoperability. Then right. as it moves to design verification, you know, back when wireless started, the volumes that were rolled out, for example, with 2G, do you remember when people used to introduce a phone in a few cities? Mm -hmm. Right. And now, and so the volumes there were lower and you could look at a few hundred prototypes and decide if you had a good phone. Right. Correct. Now, when they introduce a phone, it's worldwide. Right. <laughs> and so the, the step function increase in volume when you go to market now and the risk you're taking on the inventory um, that yeah. you're building for that launch is just yeah. on a different level, different playing field. And so yeah. the volume of prototypes that you need to test and really understand and optimize the performance of has exploded. And so there, there's a whole range of testing around design verification of designs. Yeah. And then we all know if you have a perfect design and you launch it into high volume manufacturing, that doesn't mean mm -hmm. every phone is perfect or every device is perfect. There's variation that creeps in 
either in the manufacturing process or the components that go into it. And you don't want to ship bad, bad systems and you want to ship a consistent quality level. And so that's Mm -hmm. where production testing really plays well. And I, I kind of liken the test industry a little bit to plumbing. You know, when when everything goes well, everybody's happy. But yeah. when something goes wrong, it's a disaster. Correct. And you have to rectify as soon as you can, right? Yeah. When when people talk to me about the cost of test, that, that's an important factor. Um, but what's even more important is the cost of a production stoppage. <laughs> Because yeah. the entire machine stops when that occurs, and, and that's wildly expensive. Yeah, and there's uh, you know multiple phases of testing. Do you play in all parts of this life cycle testing, or focus on some specific opportunities from light point uh, point of view? Yeah, you know we're um, not as big as some of the other general purpose test equipment companies, and so. Mm-hmm. We have to focus, right, um, in order to bring value to the market, you know, not just be another player. And so yeah. we focus a lot on where does simplicity and automation and economics matter? Mm-hmm. Now, we, we start all the way up at the R&D stage, as I mentioned, even at the simulation stage. Mm-hmm. But the, the areas where there's some interesting volume tends to be at the design verification stage now, where they are under enormous pressure to rapidly say, is this a good or a bad design? And if mm-hmm. it's not optimal, what changes are needed to their uh, production targets? So that design verification stage and then the uh, high volume production stage are the two primary areas that we focus our solutions on. But we're involved all the way through from the very start at the chip design stage to the product design stage, design verification, manufacturing, and even in the um, reverse logistics channel. Can you explain that? What do you mean by reverse logistics channel? Yeah. So, um, you know, if you drop your phone (laughs) and it, you know, needs to be repaired, they want to make sure that when they send it back to you, that it's a good phone. And also there's a rising market for used phones, right? Where phones are refurbished and then uh, resold. Correct. So I I was at uh, uh, S23 launch event uh, a couple of days ago and uh, sustainability and longevity of phones was, you know, one of the major topics there. And the point you you mentioned, the volume ramp up is so quick that, for example, if a new phone is coming to market, probably... You know, a large portion of its overall market is consumed in the first couple of months after the introduction, right? So you get one chance to be right. Probably don't get a second chance on a same model, for example. Making sure you do everything right before you go to volume shipment is so crucial nowadays. Yeah, there's a huge opportunity to make money, but only if you execute well. Correct. And and you mentioned, uh, I know, about simplicity, and economic testing and so on. Those are good differentiations. Anything specific you want to add to that on how Lightpoint uh, differentiates itself from its you know, very established uh, and very long-standing competitors in a bit, and it's Insured and Keysight and others. Well, I, I would point out that for consumer mm-hmm. wireless, Lightpoint's been around since the beginning because that really launched with the introduction of Wi-Fi. 
Yeah. Right. And then, you know, as cellular has grown and really uh, become mm-hmm. a major force, uh, we've mm-hmm. been in that as well. But our, our focus has expanded, right, sort of continuously across that. And the importance of what we do as people move from city launches to country launches to worldwide launches, those mm-hmm. segments where there's volume, where lots of data needs to be collected in an automated fashion to optimize you know, has mm-hmm. grown. And that's, that's what, what uh, has enabled a lot of our growth. Okay. That's good. Uh, you know, segue into the growth of 5G and Wi-Fi 6E, the, the growth and the acceleration has been phenomenal in the last couple of years. What role uh, Lightpoint has played in this accelerated growth of 5G and Wi-Fi 6 is to be specific? On the growth, what we really do is we continue to take this increasingly complex technology and keep it simple to test, to collect the data and bring it to market. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in any industry that's that's growing and growing more complicated, what, what we've said is we will provide a total solution mm-hmm. that allows our customers to focus on optimizing their design and mm-hmm. not becoming an expert in test equipment. Yeah, we, we don't think a cellular engineer should have to become an expert in test equipment. They should be able to find out, is my ACLR meeting performance? Um, is my power level right? Is my receiver sensitivity correct? Those right. are the questions they want to, answers to so they can optimize. Not, how do I send a skippy command to a bench instrument to <laughs> make some uh, activity occur? And so we want to continue to simplify things. And, you know, these manufacturing setups are very complicated for the contract manufacturers. They receive a design that they're asked to produce in high volume, and they have to deploy hundreds or thousands of test stations that all have to be calibrated and operate properly. And so Mm -hmm. we work with them to make sure that they uh, have a solution that can be easily replicated that the performance of it can be uh, dialed in so each each station uh, performs in the same way. Yeah, and uh, am I correct in saying that your primary focus is on the device side? Of course, that's where a lot of the volume is, not so much on the network side. Yeah, Prakash, so we have focused on, you know, kind of the, what we would view the consumer, but, you know, we, mm-hmm. we do get involved in enterprise things uh, where there's volume. You know, for a long time, we've done enterprise access points. We okay. have been doing small cells. So we have a complete set of solutions for small cell for both FR1 and FR2. And okay. we're very involved in uh, the exciting ORAN technology. That's another good segue uh, to my next question, which is on Open RAN. It's uh, an interesting area, a lot of traction, at least on marketing hype side. And of course, a lot of VRAN is happening on ground as well. And I think uh, TNM industry, test and measurement industry, is a key stakeholder in that because one, it involves a lot of compliance. You know, when you're bringing components from you know, different vendors, who never used to work together before first time they're trying to make it work together right uh, if you look if you're looking at the open ran itself which means you have to first uh, for these open interfaces in in your in-house before even doing the interop when you do the interop you have to make sure it works properly and obviously there will be issues you have to decide and who's not doing right where this compliance is not happening and they're not 
you know, interworking properly. So it's a huge role for TNM there as well. So uh, I'm assuming you guys are involved in it, uh, you know, neck deep in it. What has been your uh, experience and uh, how uh, that has come along in the last couple of years, Open RAN that is? Yeah, so um, we've been involved for some time and see it as a very exciting evolution of the telecom industry, right? This ability to virtualize your network, to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, separate the baseband unit and perhaps put it in a data center where it can be optimized and tuned and mm-hmm. um, have radio heads that can be deployed Ethernet or optical at some distance from the base station unit. And that mm-hmm. these radio heads, because they can be decoupled now, have the ability to d- deploy a much denser network, which the carriers are going to need to help pay back for all the spectrum that they purchased and handle all the data traffic, right? That's that's just continues Indeed. to rise at an exponential rate. So we've mm-hmm. been involved in that in the, uh, r- really from the start, we have a number of ORAN Indeed. test solutions. Uh, FR1 is the popular technology that people are working on today. And yep. we're working on, um, as you said, this conformance is going to be key, right? Because you need, for, mm-hmm. for it to be realized, you need a number of people building radio heads that all right. conform to a standard. And so it's plug and play. And that kind of, I'm assuming, gives uh, you a larger opening into the, inf- especially the cell infra section as well. Right? Yeah, well, as I mentioned, you know, we've been doing small cells for some time. I think yeah. in telecom, what's been exciting to a number of the carriers is the potential to increase their revenue per user, right? Their right. ARPU through fixed wireless access as they work to compete with the cable companies for bringing mm-hmm. internet to people. And, and right. we see that as an interesting market that, that is small yeah. today, but, but has high growth. Yeah, indeed. I mean, it's one of the bright spots in the 5G stories uh, so far, right? Other than, I mean, mobile broadband, yeah. it's more of much faster and more capacity than 4G. But I think fixed wireless X is one of the new revenue streams that 5G is bringing to the operator. So that's, that's key. And then I think, you know, there's been a big problem with rural internet. Mm-hmm. Certainly that, that's a big topic in the U.S. And mm-hmm. these low earth orbit satellites yeah. have, I think, a strong ability to um, bring connectivity to everybody. You know, thinking about the next phase of 5G with all these uh, exotic, uh, you know, application service coming from with massive IoT, URLLC, Industry 4.0, and so on. So, you know, as we talked about, you get at the front end of a lot of these development working with uh, different vendors. What is your view on that? When do you think we will see them commercialize? Yeah, I, I'd be interested in, in your thought on that. But to me, a lot of that seems tied to this release 17 that has just been the spec that's just been uh, approved. And I would expect maybe a two year lag between that and us seeing, uh, you know, broad adoption of a lot of those technologies. Yeah, true. So a lot of this is in standards and uh, many of these things, especially industrial IoT, has a very long gestation period, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. when you're digitally transforming uh, the whole factory itself, which is a lot of times production affecting. So, and these players are highly risk averse. They want to test, try everything and 
be doubly sure that everything works as it is stated or it is projected to work and even the deployment takes time you know even the testing conformance and making sure they are getting what they want from these technologies as wireless inherently is a non deterministic medium so there a lot of things happening there to make it deterministic various releases uh, 16 17 18 as well as in wifi 7 so two years should be a minimum in my view could be one more and also need to find out really good revenue generating uh, applications for operators to really invest and then grow them so it's kind of a you know cat and mouse game on which comes first whether operators will deploy these uh, these features and these abilities and then the industry take them or wait for the industry to ask for them and then start to deploy so we'll see how that turns out so um and uh, you know as i mentioned in my monologue 5g has seen lots of traction but and that's kind of winning down you know 5g operators in the us at least uh, are forecasting a lower infra spend yeah. this year the smartphones uh, forecast is going down if you listen to all the quarterly calls of all these players uh, apple qualcomm samsung and others uh, and then one thing is china is opening up which could provide uh, some opportunities but looks like that will not compensate for the yeah. other tax slowdown that is happening uh, globally so w- what's your view on it and h- how will uh, test and measurement industry will uh, fare there, there's no question that there's a lot of business uncertainty right now and you know it's hard to forecast the future What did Yogi mm-hmm. Berra say? It's hard to make predictions, especially about the future. So you know, <laughs> I, I'm going to go out on a limb and and say that people consistently underestimate the mm-hmm. drive for data traffic, and it has been on an exponential growth for over 20 years, growing at mm-hmm. 30 to 40 percent, and th- that's just a phenomenal yeah. transforming force to the industry. People used to ask me; they'd say, you know, well. you know how many people can you talk to on a phone and how mm-hmm. many hours a day well my phone is constantly talking to the network <laughs> yeah right constantly it's it's updating apps and doing other things all the time and Correct, yeah. people said well how often can you how much video can you watch right well yeah. w- what they missed was that everybody was going to put in internet cameras and there's it's not yeah. people watching things it's computers watching cameras right that are, that are going on right now zoom has had a massive impact or or just video calls right sure. it had a massive impact on the structure of data traffic right it used to be a, a consuming world right it was all download and now yeah. you know where kids were doing video calls in the in the same home suddenly they had to rebalance the network uplink downlink Um, yeah. and latency began to matter right in that so yeah. people I, i think at the cutting edge saw those things would be needed and were deploying it but it uh, it wasn't yeah. broadly predicted that this would have to happen mm-hmm. and i think we're going to continue to see this trend going forward you know there there's a, a connecting of the digital or the virtual world with the physical world to add value improve efficiency improve safety that i think will continue now on cell phones what's interesting is they're predicting i don't know a 10% drop on unit volume year on year something like that it's okay. all in 4g mm-hmm. 5g is actually growing at about 20% according to the predictions so you know the the adoption of 5g 
is continuing and that's causing a shift in handsets from the older technologies to the newer technologies. And the, the rate is down, you know, it's going to grow, I think at 20% is the prediction right now. And that's down from a, kind of a, you know, 40, 50% number where it had been, but it's, you know, it still bodes well for there's growth there. And, uh, you know, in all of this uh, loom and gloom, automotive industry seems to be the bright spot, right? It seems yeah. to be, you know, at the cusp of uh, a true digital transformation with electrification, complete overall of uh, the inside systems, uh, entertainment systems, instrument clusters, and so on. Autonomous timing has been talked about all along and see where that goes. So what is Lightpoint's involvement in that industry? Yeah, so we've been involved in the automotive industry for a long time. I think the interesting uh, changes that are going on is the massive electrification of the car, right? It's moving from a highly mechanical device um, to a highly connected device. And, you know, of course, there was the wireless connectivity, whether it was 3G, 4G, or now 5G module connectivity. There's the mm. infotainment where people are putting in Wi-Fi hotspots and Bluetooth for the audio connection. But the, the, the thing that's sort mm -hmm. of hot right now, I think, is this adoption of the ultra-wideband technology. And there mm -hmm. are two interesting things that it, it brings. One is kind of secure access. You know, people had very sophisticated Bluetooth key fob sensing systems to make sure you were next to the car when you tried to open the door. Um, but that was hacked when people went to relay attacks. And there was mm -hmm. a lot of problems with cars in the UK where people were stealing them. And so what yeah. ultra wideband does is it requires you to be near the car. It can sense the distance. Um, and, and so that that's looking very attractive to people. And then it, it has the technology beyond that without needing to associate or pair to do secure transactions. So it may actually go beyond the car to doing things in financial transactions. But coming yeah. back to the car, the, the, the next thing that people are, are looking at is sensing occupancy. Mm -hmm. Can you tell if there's a kid in the backseat, right? And what mm -hmm. actions would you take about not letting people lock the doors, <laughs> you know, if they've left their kid in the car or knowing to keep yeah. the air conditioning running, right? The car could do things autonomously that would make it safer for the passengers. And, mm -hmm. and th then there, of course, there's, you know, radar um, that, that continues to be deployed bro broadly. And cars are amazingly safer, you know, in terms of front end collisions than they used to be. To wrap this up, so, you know, as we mentioned, uh, you know, some challenges down the road for this year for the industry, telecom industry specifically, tech industry you know, overall, and, uh, you know, T&M for sure is part of that. What are your words of wisdom for the industry from T&M point of view for this upcoming year? Yeah, I think, you know, like any uh, business cycle, you have to be prudent, right? You have to make sure that you're not getting overextended and that you're, you're really focusing on the right priorities. But mm -hmm. I, I think it's a mistake to overly focus on the short term and think that, you know, when it's up, it's always going to be up. And when it's down, it's always going to be down. I think over the long term, the secular trends are healthy. It's a great industry. 
Uh, it's an important industry and, you know, it has growth for the foreseeable future in, in multiple technical directions. Very well. That's a great positive note to end our conversation on. It was great discussing the role of test and measurement in technology and specifically in the telecom. Thanks for all of your uh, insights and information that you provided. And I think we should really give uh, T&M the rightful place in the technology space that it uh, deserves. Indeed, it will be interesting to see how this uh, year uh, turns out. Thanks again for coming over. Thanks, Prakash. So, folks, that's all for now. Hope you found the discussion informative and useful. If so, please hit like and subscribe uh, to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening this on. I'll be back very soon with the next episode, putting light on another interesting tech subject. Bye-bye for now.